Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Race podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies or die trying. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. It's been quite a while since uh, the Oscars, but I hope you've been able to enjoy the year so far in movies. A lot has happened, you know, in the past couple of months. You know, we had two guilds striking, and at the time of scheduling, uh, one of them, the Writers Guild, just finished their strike. So that gives me hope we'll be able to actually have a proper award season going on. Um, You know, I had a number of trips, you know, over the summer, went to Asia, visited the family for the first time since uh, the pandemic, as well as also visiting LA, where I got to check out the Academy Museum. That was a lot of fun. Barbenheimer, of course, was probably the big movie event of the year so far. Uh, and of course, most relevant to this episode, we've had most of the major film festivals come and go. Uh, New York Film Festival still has yet to uh, kick off. Um, I actually have some takes for that, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But you know, the films, you know, uh, the film festivals going on gives us a better sense, you know, with critics' reviews out and all that, giving us a better picture of what we think the award season will be uh, for this coming year and what are the most important films, what have kind of dropped out of the race. We'll dive into exactly which of those you should be keeping an eye on out in this ep- week's episode, so you can prep for. Your your death race. Of course, October also means it's the return of everyone's favorite Film Awards Fantasy Awards League uh, red carpet roster. So who better to join me uh, in an episode talking about preparing for the awards season than John from Red Carpet Rosters. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast, John. Oh, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited for this season. Uh, So yeah, thank you for having me on. And I am thrilled to be talking about the upcoming season. be looking for pre-draft rankings on October 1st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this episode probably actually I'm planning on trying to drop it uh, maybe October 2nd. So by the time this episode's up, you probably can go over to redrockcarpetrosters.com and, and see those pre-draft rankings. Uh, but before we get into talking about that, John, how has your UN movies been so far? Any 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 particularly good ones that, you, that you've been able to watch with the wife? Oh, sure. Um, well, I mean, Barbenheimer is uh, amazing. Uh, so we actually went up to Rhode Island uh, in Providence uh, to see a 70 millimeter IMAX uh, screening of Oppenheimer. And then we uh, went ahead and saw Barbie along with that, too. So and we went during the uh, water light uh, or the water fire festival um, in Providence in downtown. Uh, so that, that was a really cool experience. Uh, so th- those are definitely two highlights an unexpected highlight that I am hoping so much gets some oscar buzz which i know it won't is bottoms uh that that is just a ridiculously silly and great great movie if you have not seen bottoms please please do so that is kind of my uh one of my highlights uh of the year that i'm hoping hoping that gets a little bit of oscar buzz when i i know it's not and yeah, also I mean, you know if not, if not oscar buzz it should get something at least in some of the the film the critic circles right yeah, I, I would certainly hope so. It's it's just so ridiculous, and I, I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, I will say on my end, right, like, obviously, I also saw Barbenheimer. Had to wait a week because, uh, you know, he, up here in New York at the Lincoln Center AMC, you know, the, the true-size IMAX, sold, Barbenheimer sold out the first weekend, so I had to wait till the second weekend um, when uh, when uh, I when they had some open seats, and that's when I ended up doing the Barbenheimer, so a little bit of a week delayed. Um, but I mean, other than that, you know, I mean, I, I you know, Spy- Across the Spider-Verse was great fun, you know, I enjoyed it. Oh, you know, such Star- a good, good movie. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I mean, you know, typical blockbuster stuff. I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that came out. And, yeah, uh, as did know, I. Sleeper pick, sleeper pick, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. And not do great at the box office, but, you know, uh, really, really enjoy that. And I, that, that's my hope that it can maybe sneak into a couple of technical categories for me. I, I, I bet it can, you know, now that uh, the 
bludgeoning visual effects monster of Dune 2 is delayed to 2024, that that opens up a spot for visual effects. And Dungeons yeah. & Dragons will certainly get shortlisted, um, and if not a nomination. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a that's a big effect of, you know, the the actors, the actors and the writers guild, you know, again, th- thank goodness the uh, writers guild was able to resolve their strike. And, you know, the news is, you know, around the time this episode comes out that the leadership of the SAG will be able to uh, meet with the AMPTP and get a get a new thing going up and running. But uh, in the meantime, you know, uh, Dune movie definitely did open up, I think, a lot of spots uh, for this year's Oscars, make it a lot more interesting. Um, but we'll get into all of that. Let's go back to red carpet roster. So for those uh, who if this is your first time listening to the podcast or you weren't around last year remind the good folks real quickly um what red carpet rosters is sure so red carpet rosters is the most comprehensive film awards fantasy site on the internet so thank fantasy football except for film awards um so it differs from other film awards fantasy sites in that it offers head-to-head matchups uh you're drafting film cast and crew so you're drafting actors and actresses and directors and screenwriters and costume designers and uh, score composers and to be on your team and based on however many nominations and wins they get throughout the fantasy season your team gets points and we also have playoffs Uh, so it's not a set and forget it type of thing no uh, it's a season-long endeavor where we are drafting in october matchup number one begins on october 24th with the gotham award nominations the regular season uh, has nine matchups and ends right before the Oscar nominations in January. And then the first round of the playoffs, yes, I said playoffs, is the uh, Oscar nominations. Then the semifinals are the uh, time between the Oscar nominations and the actual Oscars themselves. And then the 96th Academy Awards is the championship. Yeah, uh, it was great fun last year. You know, I hosted the uh, Parasite League uh, last year. Um, did not win, uh, but you know, still great fun overall. And you know, happy to announce that you know I will actually be helping John out with some with content uh, leading up to the draft uh, drafting period. So I believe uh, public drafts, uh, public leagues, their drafts are scheduled for October twenty second, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And and new for this year is that all public leagues will actually have a live draft. So no more confusing log in and make your pick and then wait a little bit and then log in again no all public leagues leagues will have a live draft all on sunday october 22nd and if you can't make a public league live draft don't worry uh you can auto draft um you can set your pre-draft rankings uh, custom uh if you you know disagree with my pre-draft rankings uh or you know you can also start your own private league uh so if you can't make october 22nd may i suggest a private league for you and your friends yeah, and if you want to join, you know, my private league, you know, last year I hosted the Parasite League, um, and then this, and then it was such a success, you know. I'm gonna, and there were some people who actually, you know, came a little bit late to the, uh, to the, to the, um, to the awards, uh, to the, to the red carpet rosters once the season had began. So it was a little bit harder to fit them in. So you know, this year, you know, if there is demand, I will open up a second league, the Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, league as well. Um, I'm gonna be doing, you know. Since the people in my in my so far uh, that have entered my leagues have been kind of spread out across the world, it's kind of hard to coordinate a single time. Um, we we actually had to our success something a little bit more uh, asynchronous draft. So if you're not quite able to make it on October 22nd, what we ended up doing was kind of over the course of about 10 days or so. So starting October 14th is when I'm going to have my drafts start their my league start with their drafts. We'll kind of do that like you know log in, somebody will pick, and then you know we'll, we'll pass it along. We have a Discord channel to just let people know, hey, it's your turn to. 
draft. We were able to finish drafting in time. Um, all 16, I believe, pick or 12 picks, I believe. Um, so, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a little bit frantic toward the end there, but we were able to get it all done. So, uh, you know, definitely looking forward to hosting those again. And like I said, you know, I'll be going to be helping John out with some content. You know, I've been working with Nico, um, you know, the winner of two of the leagues. Oh, year. Nico. Um, oh, my, my, my favorite uh, fantasy player. Uh, he just dominant uh, in, in his leagues. Uh, yeah, yeah I, so- he is a formidable foe. Yeah, so, you know, me and Nico have been working together on some some content for John. Um, mostly, you know, breaking down who are kind of like, you know, ESPN, dra- uh, football pros, you know, one of, one of, whatever dra- fantasy football uh, league. Not quite as, you know, well built out, I think, just because it's just the two of us, but uh, uh, or three of us if you include John as well. Um, but, you know, our, our kind of idea of like what are pre-draft rankings or our rationale for why, you know, this director over that director and so on, right? Um, I tend to take an approach more of, hey, I'm going to be looking for who's going more for, you know, going to win on the big night and Oscar night and drafting around that focus. Nico takes a little bit more, and probably rightfully so, since he, he since he ends the, ended up winning last season, um, you know, kind of looking season by season, like which films maybe won't do as well, you know, at the Oscars, but could get a lot of points in the critics and industry awards leading up to the Oscars to really put himself in a dominant position leading going into the final race. So, um, you know, th- those, those are some uh, content's going to be coming out, uh, but I think, I believe, hopefully, if we can get it all done the week that this episode comes out. So uh, check back again on redcarpetrosters.com. Anything else you want to add, John? Uh, nope. I, th- I think the only thing, well, yeah, <laughs> I think the only thing that I want to add um, is that our matchup schedule isn't finalized. Uh, you know, unlike football, where we know well in advance when the games are, uh, not so much with the uh, Critics Awards ceremonies. Uh, so after the pre-draft rankings are set on October 1st, um, the next big task is to finalize the matchup schedule. Uh, so be looking for that. That will be uh, finalized uh, a couple days before the public drafts on October 22nd. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, in the meantime, turning back to this episode, uh, you know, again, we'll go, this, I'm going to put a lot of content out for Red Carpet Rosters, uh, specifically, you know, on the blog. And if I'm not mistaken, John, you're going to try to bring back the Red Carpet Rosters podcast. We may yes. have an episode discuss, going more in depth into uh, the various uh, content, uh, the rankings that I put together. But that aside, this episode uh, that you're listening to now is more focused on the Oscars death race itself and trying to make sure you're in a good position, uh, know what what the, the key films are to pay attention to this coming award season, which, you know, will still be very helpful for red carpet rosters in general. So let's go ahead and hop right in. Um, now, my methodology, right, for trying to figure out the death rates is, you know, I look, I've looked you know, the past couple of years at historical numbers, stuff like, you know, how many films on average does each studio get, right? It's, you know, as much as you may like all of the films from Searchlight, for example, or if you're an A24 stand, for example, uh, you still have to be realistic and think, hey, they're maybe going to get maybe one or maybe two films at most, right? Um, after all, it's 10 films spread across, you know, at least the big, the big five studios, plus the streamers, plus the indie film. So you really have to be try to figure out who the top contender is in each cat in each studio um also you know looking at stats like for example 81 percent of best picture nominees have at least two above the line nominations so which you can't just say hey i think this one's gonna get best picture but not really have anything to back it up um the uh, exception to that would be you know there are a couple of films uh for example dune um the first one that had a lot of below the line nominations that ended up getting it the uh, best picture nomination um and then you have the very rare film that you know has less that you know woman talking last year comes to mind that only had one uh, above the line nomination 
and no below the line nominations. That's relatively rare. Um, also, you know, looking at stuff like, hey, you know, film festival attendance, you know, which film won the People's Choice Award? That usually is almost guaranteed to have a Best Picture nomination. Um, you know, usually one of the three films uh, that are the centerpiece films for the New York Film Festival will get a nomination. And in general, I've noticed that films that attend more uh, film festivals as opposed to just one, uh, unless you happen to win an award, generally are the ones that will do better at uh, come award season just because they've had more viewability among critics and, and so on. Um, a good example of this is that, you know, The Woman King, a lot of people last season, I know you, John, were one who were really pulling for oh, the, the Woman so upset. King. So upset um, about The Woman King snub. Yeah, but, you know, if you look at the statistics, it only appeared at one film festival last year, and it released very early in the season, right? So it just didn't have the momentum uh, built up from the fall festival circuit to be able to pull its way until the end of the season. So um, I think, you know, that's another factor I'm looking into here. Um, and then one last thing, right? You know, as much as you want to say, hey, Oppenheimer and Kill of the Flower Moons and Poor Things and Barbie and all of them are going to sweep all of the above the line nominations, realistically, historically, it actually works out that they're about, you know, eight films or so historically um, that end up getting above the line nomination, about 10 above the line nominations are split among eight films that did not get a Best Picture nomination. So I also do, in my personal list, have taken care to try to include those eight, at least eight films or so uh, in that category as well. So uh, what me and John are going to do, we're going to go through kind of uh, different categories, you know, films that are, I think, my pers- my, my current uh, Best Picture list. We'll see if John has a different list, uh, you know, in, in a little bit. Um, films I think could get into Best Picture. Uh, films that I don't think will get Best Picture, but will get something above the line. Um, and then, you know, animated, international documentary, which, you know, some of those are a little bit harder to predict than others. And then rounding out the list, are you know the handful of films that will probably get technical nominations but nothing above the line um so let's go ahead and get started john um first up i'm gonna this is gonna be in film order we mentioned it a little bit before but oppenheimer um oppenheimer released july 21st it is in my opinion the number one priority of universal um currently has an 88 on metacritic and an 8.6 on rotten tomatoes um this is the score not the tomato meter um did not attend any film festivals but of course had the big wide release uh with barbie so for barbenheimer um and yeah we'll, we'll pause right there but you know john what what, what do you have to say about oppenheimer <laughs> Yeah, it, clearly the front runner. Um, I, I think the only competition that Oppenheimer has is Killers of the Flower Moon, or maybe even Barbie. But you know, given the span and and just the sheer sheer scope of Oppenheimer, it, it's well received both audiences and filmmakers and and the industry. I, I think right now it is definitely an early favorite, and we've kind of seen a shift where best picture contenders are being released in the middle of the year. Um, you know, everything, every all at once released in April, I, I think last year. So I, I Oppenheimer is, is definitely the front runner here. Yeah, I think so. You know, there's, there's obviously the long overdue narrative that no, Chris Nolan has, right? Um, never won. Well, right. I mean, the, the, he's responsible for the Dark Knight rule, you know, the, the unofficial, the uh, unsanctioned Dark Knight rule that, uh, you know, got stuff for. Expanded the number, yeah. Right, right. Expanded the number and, and, you know, say what you will about Christopher Nolan films. and and But it, you can't deny that the Dark Knight had some sort of decision-making clout with uh, the Academy to, to expand the number of best pictures. Yeah. And, and, and I, mean, and I think Oppenheimer, like a, yeah. Yeah, I think the fact that like a three-hour biopic about a physicist and then making $900 million <laughs> worldwide is just insane. 
right? Um, anyway, going into like the specific categories, right? You know, Chris Nolan is is kind of and and uh, accor- this is according to you know looking at next best picture or uh, Gold Derby, kind of like who the current frontrunners are. Um, Chris Nolan is you know kind of up there for director and uh, adapted screenplay. Um, you know, Cillian Murphy for best actor. Um, we also have Emily Blunt. Uh, now that we'll talk about supporting actress in a little bit um, more detail, but she's kind of one of the frontrunners for supporting actress. Um, and then Robert Downey Jr. for a supporting actor as well. Um, and on the technical side of things, you know, he there is, you know, some, he's it's kind of like earmarked for cinematography by uh, uh, Van Hoytema, who I think got snubbed last year for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Nope. Absolutely. Um, I believe. Um, and then, you know, also editing, production, makeup, score by Ludwig Gorenson, sound, also and, the front and visual runner. effects. Yeah. 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 Ludwig Gorenson is definitely front runner for the score on I mean, it, it the score is just in your face the whole entire movie um and and really really makes the movie you know the a, a common criticism among you know moviegoers was that it's it was too dialogue heavy um but what which is unfair i i mean i, I don't mind dialogue heavy movies but the, the score just really paints a bleak picture of humanity um so I, I i really think that he's the front runner there and and sound obvious front runner there visual effects is an interesting one um i i'm not so certain it's gonna get a nomination for visual effects um i you know i i think the lack of cgi definitely helps the movie but for the uh oscar nomination i'm not so convinced yeah, I mean that's just what the what what what's currently on the front runners list, and obviously things could shift. I think there are a number of you know good contenders for visual effects um, as well. But regardless, I mean you're looking at at least you know four to five you know above the line nominations, right? And then at least you know I want to say at least three to four to five below the line nominations, right? So um, yeah. yeah, Oppenheimer is is if you haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. If it's still playing somewhere near you, go see it on the biggest screen possible. Um, and if you haven't, you know, hope hope that they come back with a uh, hope they come back with a with the IMAX re-release uh, around Oscars time. Yeah, because you know, seeing it on a big screen, not only visually, but you know for sound it is highly highly recommended you you need the sound to make it a, a complete uh, experience and you know and if i may go back to above the line uh, yeah killian murphy for best actor i i think uh, he's the front runner but not a strong front runner however rdj robert downey jr is is the clear front runner for supporting actor i i full disclosure i might be targeting him in my draft yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, moving along then, since there, you know, there are about like forty films we need to talk, we need to at least touch on. Uh, this That's episode. right. I could talk Barbie. for hours about this. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Barbie uh, again, the other half of the infamous Barbenheimer duo, released also July twenty first, and this one is as of right now Warner Brothers' number one priority. A little bit of a lower score than Metacritic, not to, somewhat to be expected. You know, eighty, but still really decent. Eighty Metacritic, uh, seven point nine from Rotten Tomatoes. Again, did not do any film festivals; just had the wide release. Uh, currently, its front runners are uh, 
uh, Greta Gerwig for director. Um, and then for original screenplay, Greta Gerwig and her partner Noah Baumbach. Um, and then Ryan Gosling for uh, supporting actor. Uh, and then depending on how you feel about Margot Robbie in the competition, um, given that Lily Gladstone for um, has moved into these uh, lead actress category, um, you may or may not have uh, Margot Robbie in your uh, above the line categories for lead actress. Um, otherwise, below the line, you know, costume, editing, production, makeup, uh, the, at least one or two songs by Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt or Bill or Billy Eilis and and, and Phineas. Um, and then also a special shout out to uh, Rodrigo Prieto, um, who is a cinematographer who is also on this as well as Killers of the Flower Moon. So, um, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on Barbie's thoughts here, John? Yeah, definitely a favorite for some below the line. Uh, I think Margot Robbie does get a nomination. I think Greta Gerwig uh, gets a directing nomination. I think Gerwig and Baumbach uh, get a, a writing nomination. Uh, but but the clearest front runner here is uh, Sarah Greenwood with production design. Uh, you know, it, when you cause a worldwide pink paint shortage, uh, you should at least be a, a front runner for an Oscar for for that movie. Right, right, yeah, and uh, you, you mentioned Robert Downey Jr. was the favorite for for supporting actor for you, but hey, you know Ryan Gosling, you know he's got he's got something up his sleeve too, I think. Yeah, I I think he'll get a nomination. Um, he, he's so good as Ken, <laughs> so uh, he's Kenneth. He is Kenneth, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I I I think he'll get a nomination. I'm not so sure. I, I think Robert Downey Jr. has the narrative. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, moving then to the films that have not yet released. Uh, first up, we have an international film. Uh, I, uh, this is Anatomy of a Fall, um, which is a French film, though notably did not get selected as French's submission for the yeah. international category, which was a bit of drama uh, going on there. But regardless, um, it's, it is an October 13th uh, limited release from Neon um, uh, with an 88 Metacritic and 8.5 on Tomatoes. It actually has to know uh, uh, between this and, and another film later, one of the only films Films in Best Picture that I think I have as attending four film festivals. It won the Golden Palm at the Cannes Film Festival. Also appeared at Telluride and TIFF, and will be at the New York Film Festival. Uh, right now, this one looks like mostly an above the line player, right? So, it, so you know, whereas Barbie and Oppenheimer could, you know, even without the above the line stuff, still justifiably get a Best Picture nomination purely off of the below the line stuff. This one needs its above the line, right? So, you know, I think the most uh, secure things it's probably going to get are the uh, the original screenplay uh, by director Justine Triette and Arthur Harari, and then also Sandra Huller, uh, who is the lead actress here. Uh, Huller also appears as a supporting actress in another film. Um, some people do say Justine Triette may uh, take the fifth spot instead of Greta Gerwig for for uh, directing. Um, to, t, to be, TBD, uh, she said there has been a little bit of speculation. She's a little salty after not getting the uh, French nomination, um, and then uh, and then also no- notably, uh, some people are saying it might get a, an editing nomination as well. Um, that, that's a little bit less certain. Um, what are your thoughts on on? And I'm going to follow from from at, without having seen the film, I presume, um, right, uh, on, right. and its chances. You know, I. If, if this was fantasy football, there'd be a big cue by uh, Anatomy of a Fall for questionable because uh, it kind of suffered an injury not being France's uh, official submission. Um, so I, I think that does hurt it a little bit. Uh, I, it vastly different movie, movie than RRR, um, but similar circumstance. You know, RRR was not India's uh, submission and it only got a song nomination, you know, despite some speculation that I was going to get a best, best picture. Now, Anatomy of Fall, it's a very different movie. 
uh, Sandra Holler as, uh, you know, she's in Anatomy of Fall and also supporting in the Zone of Interest, another international contender that was selected as an official submission. So I, I'm I'm very skeptical about Anatomy of a Fall's chances everywhere. Um, I if it if it sneaks in into uh, Best Picture, I I I, I think that's a, a worthy prediction. But I, I I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, I think I have it right now, um, mostly because I think this might pull something like a triangle of sadness last year, right? Well, no one was right. predicting that triangle of sadness would make it in, but you know, if there is enough support at, on the European front that got congeals around this, um, you know, it could f- maybe pull off the uh, the screenwriting actress path to, to best picture, perhaps. Yeah, that, that that is correct. You know, triangle of sadness yeah. is a pretty fair comparison. Um, I mean, if it's triangle of sadness. Right? Right, right. I mean, Triangle of Sadness uh, was predominantly in English. Uh, it very well could have not been, uh, and and probably had similar success. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So the question is whether this will pull more Triangle of Sadness or pull more Titan uh, in form in terms of Golden Palm winners. But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. It, w- one thing that Anatomy of Fall has going for it is the strong festival showing. Uh, but well, we shall see. Yeah. Uh, moving on ahead, uh, we have uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, another one of, I think, probably one of the top three frontrunners for actually winning Best Picture, in my opinion. Um, this one is uh, Martin, Martin Scorsese's uh, latest film, uh, three-hour epic, um, October 20th wide release. I actually have my tickets. I got two tickets for two different screenings, just depending on what my schedule looks like. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, um, one is, uh, it's, this is a Paramount release, but also a joint release with Apple TV Plus to be released on Apple TV at a at a later date um, if you can't see it in theaters or you don't, your bladder can't wait for three hours in the theater. Um, it hasn't currently from its, it had, it had one screening at the Cannes Film Festival um, and so it has an 89 for Metacritic and an 8.6 Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the current uh, current predictions, you know, Scorsese is going to get director, uh, Scorsese and, and Eli Roth are going to get an adapted screenplay, um, Leonardo DiCaprio is coming back for another lead uh, lead actor, Lily Gladstone, and, and a surprise to many, those not to all, um, ended up going from supporting actress to lead actress, um, which I think is in line with how uh, Sony's marketing the film, right? Seeing that they put the uh, the uh, Osage people first and foremost in this film, it would make sense to have uh, the native actress in the lead category and not supporting um, to fit that narrative. And then Robert De Niro coming up against Robert Downing Jr. for supporting actor. Um, on the production side, you know, below the line, we have Rodrigo Prieto, as we mentioned, uh, doing uh, cinematography here. Um, we have costume. We have a former winner, Thelma Soonmaker, uh, in editing. Um, we also have production, potentially, and then score by Robbie Robertson, who, while he hasn't want something previously did pass away before the film released and so you know there may be a posthumous uh, nomination there for him um so yeah, yeah i mean this so. is this is likely one of the most anticipated films i have just based on the trailers alone um i hope my bladder can last out for the three hours uh <laughs> it, it was able to pull out for for oppenheimer so we'll see if we can do it for this um you know what are your plans for seeing a uh, kills of the flower moon john oh yeah I'll, I'll definitely be there uh opening weekend if not close to it um and I, I love Martin Scorsese. Love all of his films. He's going to get the nomination, maybe even a win. Um, and it, before I get into it, you need to download the Run P app. Uh, it it is a lifesaver. Um, your bladder will thank you. It uh, if you don't know what it is, it, it uh, it's an app. Um, you start the timer when the title card goes up, uh, and it buzzes your phone. 
to let you know. It's like, hey, this is a good time to go pee, and it gives no, you a synopsis on never, what you missed. I miss. am not going to miss any of these movies. Okay, so. all right, all right, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I, one thing, I, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I, I just want to add that I think Jesse Plemons uh, does a Lakeith Stanfield here, where you know doesn't get a lot of buzz, uh, but but turns into a, a double nominee uh, in, in supporting actor. I, I think Jesse Plemons is due for a nomination, and I think he gets it with uh, Killers of the Flower Moon here. Man, Jesse Plemons needs a lead nomination at some point. He he kills it in yeah. every film he's in. Oh, it, it, he's great, and I, I can watch him in anything, especially yeah, Game I Night, mean, underrated movie. I love Game Night. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not too much more we can say about it without having seen the film. But uh, if you don't have this on your radar, you definitely should for for for, for the awards race. Um, next up is, you know, something that, that, that started off as a bit, I was a bit of a doubter, I'll admit, uh, going into the race. But after seeing it, it, it how it got a lot of buzz, um, I think, you know, this one probably has a shot, honestly, at this point. Um, the Holdover. So this is from Focus Features. So the, I would say this is Universal's second priority after Oppenheimer. Um, it, it, it's going to have an October 27th limited release here in the States before going wide on November 10th. Currently, it is at 83 Metacritic, 8.4 Rotten Tomatoes. It appeared at two film festivals, the Telluride Film Festival and then at TIFF, would won the runner-up award for the People's Choice Award. Uh, many people had it pegged to win the People's Choice Award, but it fell a little bit short there. Um, you know, the main contenders for it, uh, its path is is probably some combination of the original screenplay nomination for David Hemmingson, um, as well as an acting nomination probably for supporting actors for uh, Randolph Devine Joy, um, or potentially Paul Giamatti in lead actor as well, though lead actor is a very stacked category. Uh, otherwise, um, it, uh, Dominic Cecil potentially could get a, a supporting actor nomination. Uh, Alexander Payne could maybe sneak into a nomination somehow. And then former nominee uh, Kevin Tent could maybe get an editing nomination at some point. Um, but yeah, this one seems like it's a feel-good holiday-type movie. Um, so you know, this one I think could be maybe a crowd-pleaser-type film that to have a, a bit of a shot. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you know, the, the dramedy that Alexander Payne does so well is back in full force here. And Divine Joy Randolph, uh, I, I love her in everything she does. Uh, I, I could watch anything that she does, and I, I think she's the front runner for supporting actress uh, here. Yeah, so uh, now that Lily Gladstone left the category. Right, right. Uh, Lily Gladstone was definitely the favorite, but I think it was a wise move to move her to lead actress, um, and that opens the door a little bit for Divine Joy Randolph. So, and, so who do you think between her and, say, Emily Blunt, I think, are the kind of the two current frontrunners? Where, where would you peg it right now without having seen uh, the holdovers? I think Divine Joy Randolph has the edge here. Um, you know, Emily Blunt was amazing in Oppenheimer, uh, a scene stealer for sure. But I, I, I think it's Divine Joy Randolph's turn um, for, for, for this one. And. If you're looking for uh, breakthrough actor points and and red carpet rosters, Dominic Sessa is is a sleeper pick there too. I don't think he's going to get a nomination, um, but uh, he'll be a worthy actor ad for if you're chasing those breakthrough points. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think a couple other breakthroughs that we'll mention throughout here as well. Um, You know, keeping it moving. uh, This next one I think is arguably even more than uh, more so than. uh, Kills of the Flower Moon, I think might be one of the top three contenders. And honestly, I think one of my most anticipated films for the rest of the year, Poor Things. Um, so this is from Searchlight. So, and I believe this is Disney's number one priority. And historically, Disney has two films um, that they usually get nominated. Um, so this would be the first one. I don't actually have a solid second one yet, which is interesting. Um, but this one has a December 8th limited release. 
Um, uh, it currently has one of the highest scores um, from critics, a 94 on Metacritic and a 9.3 average on Rotten Tomatoes. It was at three film festivals, Venice, where it won the Golden Lion Award, uh, Telluride, and it will be at the New York Film Festival. Um, right now, the above-the-line contention is uh, Yorgos Lanthimos um, from, you know, uh, film The Favorite, Red, uh, The Lobster, um, for getting into director nomination. Um, Tony McNamara, a former nominee uh, or winner, I think, um, getting a, a, an original screenplay nomination. And then Emma Stone competing with Lily Gladstone for the uh, lead actress category. And then Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe um, potentially both uh, pushing their way into supporting actor um, as well. Uh, but Lola Line is actually has, has a has a decent bit going for it. Uh, Robbie Ryan is doing the cinematography um, costume. It actually might beat out Barbie potentially. Um, Yorgos uh, Mavros uh, Savidis, I hopefully I pronounced that right, um, who's worked with you know the other Yorgos uh, on his other films for editing. Um, and it also could get uh, production and makeup nominations as well. Uh, I am so excited for this film. I, I heard it's like really weird, really bizarre, somewhat obscene. Um, but I, I mean, if, if everything everywhere all at once can pull it off, maybe this one could. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we expect weird from Yorgos Lanthimos, right? I mean, The Favorite was an amazingly weird movie. The Lobster was a quirky, weird movie. I, I expect nothing less uh, from this one. And, and yeah, it, definitely a contender, uh, almost a safe bet to get into the Best Picture nom. Yeah, and it's crazy because this actually uh, has the same release date as the next film, and also uh, the Boy and the Heron, which is the lead animated film. So luckily, I I will actually be seeing uh, the other two on a, on at the New York Film Festival. So so my December eighth will be dedicated uh, for poor things here. But for, for if you're not able to, you're gonna have to try to figure out how to watch three movies in one weekend. Hey, that's all right. Challenge accepted. All right. Uh, anyway, speaking of that, that that other film is Zone of Interest, which is another international film. Uh, December eighth release date from uh, limited uh, from A twenty four. I think this might be their number one priority. Some people say it might be the number two. We'll see. Um, this also has one of the highest scores of the year: uh, ninety five Metacritic, uh, nine average on Rotten Tomatoes. It it like uh, Anatomy of a Fall was at four film festivals. It was at the at the Cannes Film Festival where it got the Grand Prix, the second place award. Also at Telluride, also at TIFF, also at the New York Film Festival. Um, this one is mostly hinging on its director screenwriter uh, Jonathan Glazer um, to get a nomination in both categories to have a viable path to Best Picture. Um, Sandra Huller, as we mentioned, uh, as I believe uh, is a, a supporting actress in this film um but then also below the line there's a couple of notables um you know it uh cinematographer lucas zal has been nominated before um and then uh it's also as we uh, as we noted the international pick uh for the uk um so i believe it's majority not in english which is why it qualified and then also worth noting is that uh, mika levy who did the score has also been nominated for another film in the past um, so yeah, this one I think is plays out similar to uh, anatomy, uh, anatomy of a Fall, where this I think will need the, the European contingent to kind of congeal around it, um, and Jonathan Glazer to get his his recognition for it to have a path to Best Picture. What do you think? Yeah, I I think uh, the UK made a wise choice in uh, pushing this as the uh, official submission for international, and and that can only help its stock. Uh, and and Jonathan Glazer, um, you know the. Has some uh, has some good uh, below the radar movies out there like uh, Under the Skin, uh, you know. So I, I I don't know if he's going to get a director nomination, um, but uh, you know, cinematography from uh, Lucas Jal, uh, who got in for Cold War, I think was his last one. Uh, I, I I think this will make some noise. Yeah. So question, right? I think 
from what I've heard of the film, again, haven't seen it myself. I'll be seeing it uh, at the film festival. Um, this one is a little bit more experimental, right? Not quite like a t- t- traditional narrative, right? So do you think that might hurt the film potentially, like make it a little bit too weird for, for the Academy voting members? I, I think it's a shoe-in for international. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, and, and definitely the front runner to win international. Uh, can they ride that uh, to, you know, best picture? I, I, I don't know if it hurts, um, but the Academy awarded another weird movie last year, right? So, uh, and 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 also yeah, made no, room I, for. I feel like everything, everything, everywhere was like also popular weird, right? This one. That's is just also like true. Weird, yeah, but it, but you know, Triangle of Sadness. If we go back to that comparison uh, mm, for you know true. European movies, that was a weird movie that you know people loved. Uh, that that was more of a comedy, <laughs> so that yeah. that had more universal appeal. So. Uh, you know, you, you have a good point. You know, it, it, is it too weird that in a year that is stacked with high quality movies, maybe international is is its only hope? Yeah, and and honestly, right? Like, I think the other thing is that you know, last year, right, we had um, Triangle of Sadness and um, and uh, what was it? All Quiet on the Western Front, both getting international European support mostly uh, to get into best pic- to get picture, though. Um, Best, that the the all quiet on the Western Front also didn't have all the technicals. Here, Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall are both international films, but they also both rely on on the above the line stuff. They don't really have much technical going for them at this point, right? Um, right. So this might also be a little bit harder for for both of those for 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 uh, Zone of Interest and Anatomy to be able to share uh, in Best Picture. Maybe it might have to be one or the other potentially. That is true. Yeah, I, I, yeah. that's a good point. All right. Uh, moving on, then we have something that's a bit of a late breaker into the race, uh, kind of out of nowhere from the top rope. We have American Fiction. Um, this one is a December 15th limited release uh, and a December 22nd wide release. Um, this one's coming out of MGM's, and I believe is Amazon's number one priority. Now, you know, like Woman King, we mentioned earlier, uh, this only was at one film festival, TIFF. However, it did get the coveted People's Choice Award, um, which, you know, major um, boost. Major boost, right? Almost guaranteed to get a to get a best picture at that point. The question is, right? Does it does it does it, it still need some sort of viable path, right? And I think the most realistic path is that this follows something along the lines of um of of a woman talking, which was also an MGM film last year, right? Essentially, just adapted screenplay, basically, um, for the for for director screenwriter uh, Cord Jefferson, which is this this is his debut work as well. So if you want some uh, red carpet roster debut points, this might be another one to look after. Um, yeah, the other absolutely. potential nom- the other potential nomination might be Jeffrey Wright, who has kind of like long been a, a kind of people have been saying he deserves something. So this might be another path. But best actor is just so so crowded. I, I it would be really tough for him, I think, to get in. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I know. I I do think that Jeffrey Wright gets in here um, because uh, his stock just got boosted with the uh, People's Choice Award, as does the movie itself in, into Best Picture. Um, and and Cord Jefferson, if you're a fan of the Good Place, uh, you're a fan of Cord Jefferson. Uh, so, I before this won the People's Choice Award at TIFF, you know, it seemed that Celine Song of Past Lives, another fellow debut uh, director, was going to corner the market on on those uh, breakthrough debut directing points. Um, but now here we have Cord Jefferson uh, offering some uh, <laughs> some competition. Uh, so I, I, I'm not so certain that uh, he himself gets in uh, as a screenwriter or director. He has you know more of a shot as a screenwriter for sure. Uh, but I, I think the person who's helped the most besides the picture itself is Jeffrey Wright. 
Yeah, for sure. It totally makes sense. I and mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being like the fifth name called um, in, on, on Oscar nomination. Yeah, with, with that W name. <laughs> exactly. Um, moving then uh, to our ninth best picture film that I have on my list, uh, we have Maestro. Um, this one is Netflix's number one priority, I think, right now. Uh, November 22nd, limited release date, December 20th. Release net release on Netflix. That's almost a month between being lim- in limited theaters before being public. Um, Eighty Amelia critics, seven point seven Rotten Tomatoes. This one's at two film festivals, Venice and New York Film Festival. Um, right now, the most of the buzz is around uh, Bradley Cooper, who is the triple threat director, screenwriter, and actor. Mostly, he's probably going to get a nomination for original screenplay and for acting, um, but also Carrie Mulligan for lead actress as uh, playing Leonard Bernstein's wife um, in in this film. Uh, it could is also in contention for lead actress as well. Um, other than that, you know, we have a cinematography uh, by Matthew Lee Batik, um, you know, who's a, a former nominee for working with uh, Darren Aronofsky um, and last year's The Whale. Um, we have uh, editing, um, Michelle Tesoro from The Queen's Gambit, and then makeup artists and hair, which, you know, there's been a bit of controversy about uh, about Bradley Cooper's nose in this film, um, but it seems, I think, most of that that controversy has passed, and you know, this is a contender for for that for that uh, category. We'll see, um, but yeah, and then you know, Cooper could maybe get a uh, directing nomination at least, if not at the Oscars, at least some other uh, film film awards as well on the circuit. Yeah, no, he, he could come away with a you know triple nomination at at several of these things uh, at these ceremonies. Uh, the Oscars, I again, is such a crowded crowded field, uh, so I, I'm I'm a little hesitant on predicting Bradley Cooper to get, you know, any nomination. Um, so uh, I, I would not be surprised if he got none. I would not be surprised if he got three. Uh, let, let's put it that way. And, and yeah, this kind of award. Right, right. And, and, you know, time will tell if the controversy hurts its chances. Um, I, I, I think, uh, uh, I, you know, that I'm not going to comment on the controversy, uh, on either side, but you know, the fact that a controversy exists, uh, you know, only hurts its chances. Um, but you know, I, I, I think it was well received, um, at, at the two film festivals, uh, and, you know, usually quality of movie over, over takes, you know, any kind of controversy. Um, you yeah. know, if I may, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I think the nose is, uh, problematic, but uh you know there are worse things right right and you know i i also you know firm believer that representation matters and and you know that there's there's controversy but you know the oscar voters are kind of immune to all of that talk you know yeah so you know they yeah but anyway all right and then finally the last film which we know very very little about at this point um uh, well, we know some stuff, but not not a lot compared to all these other films. The Color Purple. This is a remake, not of the Steven Spielberg film, but of the Broadway adaptation um, of the novel. Um, so they're bringing back, you know, some of the, the songs from the Broadway adaptation. Here, this is a musical coming out on Christmas Day. This will be uh, the second priority, I believe, from Warner Brothers. Um, so it don't really have a score for it yet. It hasn't sold anywhere, um, but it will have a wide release. Um, 
you know, the director is Blitz Bazawal, the screenwriter is Marcus Gardley. I don't think either of them gets a nomination. Right now, it's mostly an acting above the line stuff. So Fantasia uh, is in the lead role. Um, Daniel Brooks seems to be one of the two actresses uh, who will get a, a supporting actress nomination. The other one, slightly lower on the ranks, uh, is Taraji P. Henson. Um, Coleman Domingo also is in some circles, you know, said to be, you know, potentially a supporting actor nomination as well. Um, outside of that, you know, we have a cinematography by Dan Lauston, uh, costume, uh, production design, songs, um, which particularly a song by uh, the Little Mermaid herself, Halle Berry, uh, potentially, mm-hmm. um, and then sound as well, which, you know, obviously being a musical, sound mixing is pretty important. So this one is there's really not a lot to go off of here. We really will just have to wait until Christmas Day to really see um, whether this has a shot at actually breaking out or not. Yeah, no, I, I, it definitely features big names uh, in front of and behind the camera, but it's such a mystery. I, you know, it, it, I'm hesitant to predict this for anything just because, you know, it's got the late release. It's, you know, doesn't have any festival cred, but, you know, 1917, very different yeah. movie, had a similar release schedule and did just fine. Uh, so I, it, th- this one is interesting. I, I, I think it's a, a major player. But then again, maybe it's not. I would say for, you know, just back to red carpet rosters real quick. This one probably you, you don't want to draft so early just because you're going to miss out on at least a couple of uh, matchups, right? Because people will just not have seen the film. They can't include it in their rankings, right? Um, and then at some True. point, right, at, after the turn, after Christmas, you want to start to, I think you can pick them up off the waiver wire most likely. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, if I'm sitting in the sixth, seventh round and there's, you know, Fantasia Barino available, ah, I'm going to snag her up, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reach for it and yeah. then I'll just regret it later. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So those are my personal top 10 for, for Best Picture. Uh, again, in release date order, Oppenheimer, Barbie, Anatomy of a Fall, Kills of the Flower Moon, The Holdovers, Poor Things, Zone of Interest, American Fiction, Maestro, and The Color Purple. My two weakest are probably the two international films, Zone of Interest and Anatomy of the Fall. Um, where where would your personal top 10 be? What, what, would, what would you pull out? What would you put in? Yeah, I, I'm not so convinced about uh, Anatomy of a Fall. Um, but Another uh, Best Picture nominee that I might consider is Ava DuVernay's origin. Uh, you know, her last narrative, uh, Selma, got in as a, as a Best Picture, um, and that was without campaigning. So, you know, there was a lot of uh, speculation, or there was a lot of uh, fervor about how she got snubbed for uh, Best Director. Um, but, you know, she was able to secure a, a Best Picture nomination, uh, you know, without the, the corresponding campaign. Uh, another one that I'm have my eye on is Rustin. Uh, I, I don't know if it's strong enough for a best picture. Um, but I do think that Coleman Domingo gets in here and Coleman Domingo might be a double nominee. Uh, there, there's a, there's a handful of, uh, double nominee potential and Coleman Domingo, I think has the best chance of any of them. The other, uh, being uh, Matt Damon and, uh, um, Sandra Huller. Yeah, Sandra uh, Hello would be the other one, I think. Yeah. Yep. Origin is interesting. So Selma is funny. One of the stats is when I was doing this number of like, you know, hey, here are the statistics of all of the films that have gotten a best picture. And, they, you know, what percentage of them have above the line? What percentage of them have at least three below the line? There was one film that has best picture, no above the line, and less than three below the line nominations. And that's Selma. Because <laughs> it had a best picture and only yep. original song. So, I mean... 
that's yep. that's an anomaly of anomaly. So I guess my methodology of how I go about putting together my predictions, like Selma is just such an out, uh, anomaly. I don't really consider it in most of my data sets. Um, so who knows? I don't know too much about Origin. It'll, I think it would have to really get a boost and buzz. I don't know if it can be like a late breaker like that. Because I think part of the reason that Selma did as it did is it came out so late, right? Right. Um, and people are like, we want to include it. We just don't know where else to put it. But we'll, we'll, we think it's important enough to put it in the best picture, right? Yeah, yeah, that, and that's a good point. Um, you know, I Ava DuVernay is also well respected in the film community, um, so that can only help her. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I might replace if I had to replace one of yours, it'd probably be Anatomy of a Fall with with Origin. Okay, well, I actually have four other films I think could get into Best Picture. And at the very least, I think we'll get some number of nominations, mostly above the line, though one of them is more of a below-the-line player. Um, so these next four films, um, I wouldn't be surprised to swap out for, for any of the other two. So uh, again, going in the release order, first of is Past Lives. So have you seen Past Lives yet? I am sad to say it's still on my list. Uh, yeah, I actually, my wife and I just saw it in the last week or so. And I can see why people, I, I think it's definitely one of the best films of the year from what I've seen so far. Um, so released on June 20, June 2nd, it's an A24 release. Um, you know, it's a joint, it's, it's a joint U.S. Canadian production. It's again, as we mentioned, Celine Song's debut film, um, semi-autobiographical about, you know, a woman who, you know, was born in Korea, emigrated to Canada, moved to New York and kind of like her reconnecting with, with somebody from her past there. Right. It was only at one festival, Sundance, um, but it has, it's, it's one of the top, alongside Zone of Interest and Poor Things, it has the best scores among critics, uh, 94 Metacritic and 9.1 Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it was a limited release, but it's actually now available on VOD. So, John, you have your homework to watch this. That's right. Um, I'll, I'll yeah. watch it by the time this airs. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I think... I think that Past Lives is being a little overpredicted by most people on Gold Derby and such. They have, you know, it, you know, like fourth for Best Picture. They have Greta Lee and Teo Yu and John Magaro um, for 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 their for like like for acting and for acting categories. Um, I think at best it probably gets an original screenplay nomination for Celine Song because um, I think this year the original category is a lot less stacked, relatively speaking, than the uh, than the adapted screenplay. The other potential nomination I can see is uh, Chris Bear and Daniel Rosen um, getting a potential score nomination as well, um, which I think was a really good part of the film as well. Um, but those are the main things I think I see from this. Mostly just an original screenplay nomination. In a hypothetical world, this could like play out like a like a woman talking situation, be just original screenplay. But I think between this and American fiction coming in, I think this pushes out the likelihood of that happening out. But still, uh, it's a bit of a pipe dream. Yeah, no, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this. And you know, A24 does not put out bad movies, so I, 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 I take your point. I, you know, this could do a women talking where Celine Song gets a screenwriting nomination and uh and it sneaks into best picture um and if it does replace any of your top 10 it'd probably be zone of interest well yeah this because it's another a24 film right right um and it'll be a right. matter of who they prioritize from i think i think people on who are predicting online just they've seen past lives and it's been their favorite film of the year so far so they just want to keep it in best picture but like reality is i don't think 
A24 will get two films uh, in Best Picture this year. Yeah, which is unfortunate. They should have five films in every Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, another contender. So I mentioned before that Disney usually has two Best Picture films. Um, this year, they, they don't really have a strong second film, actually, right? Um, you know, last year, uh, you know, Avatar was from 20th Century Fox. And I forget the other one that they had off the top of my head. But they had two last year. Two last year. I think the closest thing that they probably have is uh, All of Us Strangers. So this is another, you know, uh, indie film favorite. Uh, it's 896 on Metacritic, um, 8.4 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, uh, it is, uh, oh, sorry, 86, 86 Metacritic, my bad. Um, relatively few reviews. Um, you know, it's a December 22nd limited release. Um, it was a Telluride in the New York, it'll be at the New York Film Festival. Um, right now, it's most likely bet it's probably an adapted screenplay nomination for director, screenwriter, Andrew Hay, or Haig. But people are saying that uh, Andrew Scott for lead actor or Paul Mescal, again, uh, like last year, in supporting actor, um, could potentially be a surprise nomination here. And, and that might be a viable path, right? One of the acting plus uh, yeah. adapted screenplay nomination. Yeah, I, I think this gets a lot of buzz at the Critics Awards um, and then goes away empty handed um, when, yeah. when it, you know, turns into the Oscar nominations. Uh, Andrew Scott seems to be that there's always one critic starling that doesn't do well with the Oscars or gets snubbed altogether. And Andrew Scott uh, has has that uh, just vibe about, about this movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing in this favor is, again, Disney does usually get two nominations. They True. don't have a second one this year. Searchlight really knows how to campaign well. So if they play their cards right, I think they could maybe push another film out in, in order to get this one in. Yeah, that, that that's a good point. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm going to, you know, put that in my bust uh, column, uh, do not draft list. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I could be proven wrong, as I have Fair been enough. many times before. Fair enough. Um, next up, I actually think, uh, so uh, there was a lot of buzz about this one early on. And then I think with Maestro doing well, I think this one kind of got a little bit forgotten. May, December. Um, so this one releases November 17th limited in theaters and then on Netflix, December 1st. Um, right now it's Netflix's number two, I think, but I will say, I think at one point they probably thought it was its number one. Uh, my reason for this is that it has a December 1st release date. If you look historically at, at other Netflix nominations, the first week of December nomination date, release date is always their biggest film. Power of the Dog, Mank, Merit Story. Those oh. were all films releasing the first weekend of December, right? Um, it has a similar score to, to, to Maestro, 81 Metacritic, 7.6 Rotten Tomatoes, pretty much identical there. Also at two film festivals, uh, Cannes and the New York Film Festival, which another stat um every year there are three films uh highlighted by the new york film festival the openings uh, centerpiece and closing film and then one of those three films always gets well almost one of those films almost always gets a best picture nomination last year um none of the the only film to get a nomination technically was uh all the beauty and bloodshed which didn't get the best picture nomination but did get the documentary nomination right um right. so you know t- if you consider that part of the streak then this would be the film from the New York Film Festival to continue that streak, right? The others are Ferrari and Priscilla, which I don't think are in contention for Best Picture. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a this would be, I think, a uh, um, potentially a contender there. Um, right now, you know, it ha- it's by it's directed by Todd Haynes, screen screen written by original screenplay by Sammy Burtz. The main potential, I think, is again an acting. So lead Natalie Portman, um, supporting Julianne Moore, and supporting Charles Melton. Um, again, 
actress categories for especially for lead is really crowded um maybe they go like double supporting julianne moore and charles melton perhaps um as like their viable two above the line path to, to best picture um but we'll see if, if netflix pivots away from may december towards uh um towards um uh, maestro um so yeah we'll, we'll see there what do you think yeah no I, I i think this film has a potential of being an like an afi top 10 and not an oscar nom or vice versa um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you make a good point. Um, now to be fair, power of the dog was kind of getting some early buzz. Uh, Mank was, you know, David Fincher's, uh, you know, passion project. Um, but you know, it, if there's a, if there's a comparable movie, it, it's marriage story, um, as, as you included here. So, uh, yeah, that this, this could definitely be a dark horse, uh, for, for nomination and, and, you know, we'll see how much speed it picks up and, you know, when all the critics awards announce their awards. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, right, is that this was one of the first films to actually sell out of cans, actually. It sold for $11 million um, to Netflix, which is one of the biggest ones of the festival, I believe. So they definitely, I think, had faith in this one um, when they acquired it. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, and, and this is one where Netflix acquired it after it had screened um kind of yeah. you know taking a page out of the playbook of apple tv uh where you know yeah. it, so i i think this will work in netflix's favor because there's always going to be that netflix controversy where you know can a streamer actually win well yes apple tv did but they did it by purchasing a movie that had already screened so yeah. so netflix is learning some lessons and and i think that's a wise move here yeah, well, on the flip side, uh, the, la- the last film I think could potentially sneak in the best picture kind of does the opposite, and it's from Apple TV. Uh, Napoleon, uh, which is a Ridley Scott's epic about the French uh, dictator, leader, whatever you want to call him, coming out uh, Thanksgiving weekend, November 22, wide. Um, it's a Sony film co-releasing with Apple TV at a later date. Um, you know, wide release. Um, you know, this is directed by Ridley Scott, original screenplay by David David Scarpa. Main performance above the line is, of course, Joaquin Phoenix, who's been having a year between this and Bo is Afraid. Um, also notable is uh, Vanessa Kirby playing Josephine, I believe. Um, this one, I think, might go the Dune route and not get much above the line love, but maybe gets in through the below the line uh, nominations. Costume, makeup artists, um, production, sound, visual effects. Um, also worth noting are the cinematographer Darius Wolski and editor Cleo Simpson are former nominees as well. So, you know, Napoleon, I think, has the pedigree. It's just a matter of um, will it be uh, a Ridley Scott classic or a Ridley Scott flop, basically? Yeah, no, the, it, it checks all the boxes. You know, uh, you know Ridley Scott, uh, Walking Phoenix, uh, it, it, it just, it's a period piece, so definitely below the line uh, contenders. I, the, my brain says that it's going to get something, but I, I just get the feeling that it's going to be overlooked. I, I, I think there's just too many other... Um, there's too many other contenders, and and if anything is going to get left out, it's going to be everything from Napoleon. Yeah, well, the other again, the other factor here is the fact that this would be Sony's biggest push, right? I think more so than Spider-Man all, all uh, across the Spider-Verse. I think this would be Sony's biggest push to get in the Best Picture this year. Um, so that's the other reason why I have it in this category of, 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 of a potential Best Picture spoiler. Well, here's a hot take. I think Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse has a better chance on breaking into Best Picture than Napoleon does. Interesting. I mean... Fair enough. I it, I think that Spider-Verse will need a lot to go in. I think, again, we'll talk about animated films in a second, um, but historically animated films in the post 
um, in the post expansion era. Um, the only ones I think believe, which were Inside Out and Up, I believe. Oh no, Toy Story Four and Up, I think. Um, yeah, so Up and Toy Story Three was uh, Toy Story Three, right? They got song and score and screenwriting, right? So Spider Verse would need to be able to get at least score and screenwriting, I think, be, to be able to get the best picture as well. But it's just such a cool feature. movie. It's just so. I cool. love look. I love the movie <laughs> as well. Um, I just don't think the Academy respects animation nearly as much as it said. Yeah, that that's fair. Okay, um, we'll, we're going to move along since we just hit an hour recording and uh, we still have a decent bit to go. We're, we're at number uh, 14 out of 40 films, though the last half will be, go a little bit quicker. Sure. Um, these are films I think are above the line contenders. So these are the films I mentioned, right? They're about eight or so films, I think, usually historically, that do not get a Best Picture nomination, but do get an above the line nomination. So if you include, say, hypothetically my top 10 and then you add in past lives all of us strangers may december you know these are five more films i think that round out that eight right um so right now uh i think number 15 we have naiad which is a netflix film coming uh november 3rd to streaming um the main push here i think would be jodie foster for supporting actress um with potentially annette benning uh for lead actress if she's somehow somehow able to sneak in there the very kind of category um, otherwise, below the line, maybe a makeup artist into the biopic. And then I would love to see Claudio Miranda get uh, kind of like a makeup nomination for missing uh, <laughs> last year on Top Gun for cinematographer. From what I've heard, he does the survey. He makes the, the, the swimming sequences in this film. It's about a long-distance swimmer. Mm-hmm. Actually look very engaging with the underwater cinematography. Yeah, if anyone's going to get nominated, it's going to be uh, Claudio Miranda, or Miranda for you know, not getting in for Top Gun Maverick. Uh, but, you know, that aside, yeah, the, the cinematography in here looks amazing. And uh, it, if it's going to get in, it, it's going to be for that. What about for the actress? Do you think you think Jodie Foster might be able to get in supporting actress? I I don't know. I, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, can, can a feature or a narrative feature debut directing team uh, coming from documentary, c- c- can they direct an Oscar-nominated performance? Um, you know, Jodie Foster definitely has a pedigree, uh, but I, I'm I'm thinking that she's on the outside uh, outside looking in. Fair enough, fair enough. That's that's a good point there as well. Um, number sixteen, we have Rustin, which you mentioned a little bit before. Um, this is coming on Netflix November seventeenth. Um, Coleman Domingo, as we mentioned, is the lead actor here. Most places have him as like the fifth uh, nominee for for um, for lead actor. Um, and and again, we also mentioned he has the potential for a double nomination for supporting actor with the color purple. Um, so do you think do you think this he gets the double nomination or at least uh, the, the lead actor for Rustin? Yeah, I, I don't think he gets the double nomination, but I think he does get the lead actor uh, nomination. Um, and, and Coleman Domingo is just so engaging in anything he does. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I it, it I think this movie gets two, maybe three nominations because uh, Lenny Kravitz as an Oscar nominee, uh, you know, that's uh, he, he's just a cool guy, you're right. So he can't you can't not give him a nomination. Yeah, for the, for people just, just so people are aware, Glenn Kravitz did write the credit song for this one, "Road to Freedom." Um, so he's content contestant for original song. Right, right. So I I think uh, yeah, Coleman Domingo definitely uh, gets in uh, in best actor uh, and maybe best picture, maybe original song. All right. 
Um, number 17, uh, this might be a little bit of a hot take on my end, but I think for Priscilla, I think Kaylee Spaney actually gets in uh, for actress. Um, she won the Volpe Cup at the, uh, at the Venice Film Festival, which, you know, you might argue potentially that, you know, because poor things won the Golden Lion and then they can't win something else, that that means that um, Emma Stone could have won this instead of Kaylee Spaney. But still, the fact that she, got, that she won, I think, helped a lot. I believe, I think there's a stat somewhere that, you know, the English-speaking winners of the Volpe Cup generally tend to get the uh, the Best Actress nomination. Oh, that's um, So, you know, I think she has a shot there. Um, otherwise, you know, I think realistically, you know, costume potentially, makeup and hair again potentially. Um, there's also something to be said potentially, you know, a little bit less likely, but director Sofia Coppola, um, you know, more on the breakout red carpet roster size, Jacob Elordi um, is appearing in this and in Saltburn, which we'll talk about coming up next. Um, so, you know, that might be another breakout performance as well. In any case, Priscilla comes uh, to uh, A24, from A24, um, November 3rd, wide release. Lease. Um, what do you yeah. think about my hot take? Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I'm skeptical. Uh, A24 has a lot of quality movies this year, um, and as they always do. <laughs> well, true, true. Um, so I, I don't know if if there's just enough uh, oomph to boost Kaylee Spaney in, into Best Actress. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Kaylee Spaney will get a lot of uh, critics awards, um, but I think it breakthrough actor awards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I, and I think it ends there. I, just too loaded. All right, fair enough. Yeah, it's a, it is a very crowded category to compete in. Um, let's see. Next up, number eighteen. I mentioned it. Saltburn. Um, this is Emerald Fennel's uh film. Uh, she directed and screenwrote it. Um, and also red carpet rosters because she was an actress in the Barbie movie. She can also sit out in your actress category if you That's don't right. get a better actress. Um. Anyway, case I think at best it gets the original screenplay nomination. You know, people will want you know Barry Keegan to get a lead actor, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, there is potential maybe for like you know production design or costumes or whatever. I think production more likely, um, but I think mostly original screenplay for for Saltburn. Yeah, no, and, and I think this is also a prime candidate to get an AFI top ten, uh, but but not an Oscar nomination. Uh, but Emerald Fennell, uh, yeah, she she uh, was Midge in Barbie, so she does have actress eligibility although she probably won't get any points for acting but she can uh, you know camp out in that actress slot if you're looking for a contender um to get you points uh and yeah i, I think original screenplay is definitely in play here yeah um this salt burden comes out uh limited november 17th wide november 22nd and then last up uh again another hot take of mine ferrari um again it, uh this one's neon i believe um but uh Never doubt Penelope Cruz. Do you remember that uh, that that year a couple of years ago when Penelope Cruz out of nowhere with Parallel Mothers got yeah. a, got best was it best actress? Uh, yeah, and uh, and without a corresponding uh, official submission for international, uh, Parallel Mothers yeah. was uh, you know got some points here and there. Um, as not the official um, as the official you know submission. Um, but yeah, you know, Penelope Cruz is, is if she's in anything, she's always a candidate to get nominated. I, I, I think she misses here. Um, but you know, uh, cue the unfair, uh, house of Gucci, uh, comparisons on, uh, you know, biopics, uh, about Italians, but, um, you know, I, yeah, Pen- Penelope Cruz, uh, d- definitely a dark horse to, uh, have her name called on, on, uh, yeah. Oscar I Tuesday. Mean, I mean, Again, if you go with my stat of you need at least eight films that don't have otherwise Best Picture nominations, I mean, this would probably be one of the prime ones to be that, right? Sure, sure. 
Yeah. Um, in any case, you know, obviously you also have, you know, Michael Mann, the director. You have Adam Driver's the actor. I don't think they get in. Um, you know, you have uh, cinematography by Eric Messerschmidt, um, who also did The Killer. You have uh, Pietro Scalia doing the editing. Daniel Pemberton doing the score for both this and the Spider-Verse movie. Um, and also potential nomination for sound. So, you know, I think there is some below-the-line stuff potentially for Ferrari. Um, but above the line, I still think I, I'm, I'm going to put my bets on, uh, on Penelope Cruz. Never bet against Penelope Cruz. It's always surprising. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one comes out from Neon uh, Christmas Day. All right, those are the above the line stuff. Uh, we're going to try to breeze through the next couple of categories, um, though this one is near and dear to my heart animated films. Um, how is your, what has your been taking on animated films so far this year, John? Uh, this year has been great. Um, you know, you, you have the uh, insanely cool Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, uh, you know, a, a rare time where a sequel is just as good as, as the original. Um, so I, I think that's definitely the front runner and, and maybe even a dark horse for a best picture nom. Uh, if, if it's going to lose best animated, it's going to be the boy and the heron. Um, there, there's, there are two, it's a two horse race and, and animated uh, between across the spider verse and the boy and the heron and, and the rest are just going to be happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, just going through them real quickly. Number 20 on this uh, 40 films usually watch list. Uh, Sp- Again, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, released already this summer, 86 Metacritic, 8.6 Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a sequel to the film that won Best Animated Feature, so I think this is an easy one to sue in. Uh, and then you have The Boy and the Heron, right, from uh, Hayao Miyazaki, coming out December 8th from G-Kids and Studio Ghibli. Um you know, I mean, I think there's a, there's a potential dark horse for Joe Hisashi uh, to finally get recognized for his many, uh, kind of like a career nomination for his many scores for Studio Ghibli films uh, here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens there. Um, otherwise, right, you have the typical, you have the typical, you know, usual suspects. Um, now, interestingly, Elemental re- re- uh, released originally to a somewhat disappointing box office and somewhat disappointing um, critical score, right? It only has a 58 on Metacritic and 6.4 on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Um, it's clawed back to actually be pretty profitable and, and pretty well received by general audiences as well. Um, so, you know, what do you think of, of Elemental? Do you think it actually has a shot to, to, pull, to, to set a new low bar for how low the Pixar <laughs> uh, Metacritic score will be before they nominate it? The previous yeah. score, lowest score was 69 for, the, for Brave, I believe. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Elemental is a fine movie. It, it's not you know, as strong as other Pixar uh, you know, releases. And I, I think it gets in, um, but the... There are several other animated movies that could yeah. easily replace it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll mention that well, those in a second. But one other thing I want to mention about Elemental before I move on is Thomas Newman does, did the score. I believe Thomas Newman is one of the uh, is a, is the, one of the individuals tied for the most nominations without winning. Living living yeah. individuals with nominations. Oh, he needs without a, he needs a win. Yeah, he needs a win. Oh, I, I don't think he gets I mean, it here. Yeah, but Thomas Newman would be another pretty safe pick to get nominated, I think, potentially. Um, and then also from the Disney side, right, coming out uh, opposite Napoleon, um, November 22nd, Thanksgiving weekend, is uh, Wish, the 100th year celebration of Disney. Um, you know, voice acted by the lead act, the lead princess's voice acted by Ariana DeBose. Um, and then uh, notably, I think the score and the song. Um, and potentially a song by Daniel Metzger um, could potentially be a winner, uh, a nominee in both categories as well. Yeah, yeah. W- Wish gets in. Um, I, I, th- I think Wish is a shoe in for a uh, nomination. 
Yeah. Um, also worth noting, uh, if you want, if you go see it in theaters, there is a sword attached to it before the film. Um, that is, uh, I think, like a nine-minute sword that's essentially a, a film, a, a sword movie about like the Disney characters from like the studio studio walls or something coming to life. Um, and that's going to be Disney's uh, submission for animated sword. So um, if you want to do two for one and watch the uh, the the contender there, I think that's a good one to to go see in theaters. Ah, good to know. Yeah. Um, otherwise, my fifth pick for animated film number 24 on this list is, uh, is Chicken Run 2. Um, notably, the first Chicken Run came out before there was an animated film category, so it did not get nominated. It was the high. It, it is, I believe, still the highest grossing stop motion animated film of all time, actually. Um, this one comes from uh, Netflix, uh, December 15th, and Ardman uh, out of the UK. Um, I mean, you know, Saunders Heap got nominated. I'm pretty sure. The, the the academy loves nominating stop motion where they can and this is the biggest stop motion animated film this year um i'm pretty sure chicken one two will make will be the fifth one but that's just me i might be a little bit biased i grew up watching chicken one it's just <laughs> over and over again oh yeah no great great film but i i wouldn't discount teenage mutant ninja turtles um i you know that that movie the animation style the you know it they definitely emphasize the teenage part of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I think was a wise choice. Um, I, I'm I'm thinking that that one uh, gets in ahead of Chicken Run 2. Interesting. I mean, I don't I wouldn't be upset at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles getting in. I might be upset if Chicken Run doesn't get in. Um, but yeah, I mean, just going through all of the other animated films I kind of had sort listed. So we have Super Mario Brothers from Illumination. I don't think that's going to get in. Illumination usually doesn't campaign too much. Um, Illumination has another film coming out December 22nd called Migration about like ducks migrating. Um, we have Nimona. Uh, have you seen Nimona yet from Netflix? No, not yet. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to it. And definitely yeah, this Dark was Horse a film. This was a film that was originally by Blue Sky Studios that Disney acquired from from Fox, uh, and then they subbed Blue Sky Studios, and then Netflix rescued it basically, um, and it came out pretty good reviews, um, you know. Uh, and then I actually mentioned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, from Paramount. Now, what I will say is, I think that you know, obviously, like Puss in Boots, for example, last year again, great animation, right? A little bit more than different than the usual DreamWorksy type stuff. I think we're at a point where there's just so much st- stuff that has clearly been influenced by the first Spider-Verse movie that that's just kind of become the standard for good animation at this point, right? So I don't know if like great animation in the style of uh, across into the Spider-Verse is enough, I think, to push someone into that category, into a nomination at this point. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah, into the Spider-Verse definitely influenced a lot of uh, unique animations, which, which, you know, betters the... Uh the art form uh, but but yeah it, it might be a little bit too uh oh we've seen this already yeah um otherwise you know there are two other kind of more adult oriented uh animation films um one is robot dreams uh which has an 83 from metacritics after showing at some film festivals this one's distributed by neon no release date yet um and then another one i'm really excited about actually is the peasants um uh, if you remember a couple of years ago remember the film loving vincent oh yes yeah, it was, so it was the film where it's a film a film about you know Vincent Van Gogh's uh, life basically, but each frame was essentially an oil painting on glass basically, and they mm-hmm. animated like hundreds and thousands of oil paintings basically together to make this film. It's the same team behind that film, um, and this has been selected by as Poland's entry for international uh, film as well. So I think yeah. the peasants 
actually could be a good fifth pick as well. Oh, which only boosts his chances. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I could definitely see the peasants replacing even elemental, um, or, you know, into it. What one movie that I'm keeping an eye on is another animated documentary. Um, they killed the, or yeah, they, they killed they the, shot piano the piano player. player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they shot, had, they shot the piano that. player. So I had that on my list. Um, the Metacritic score was relatively low, right? It was somewhere in like in the 60s or so, actually. Um, so I don't know if it gets in on animated, but I think it might be potential in documentary, I think, more so than, than animated, I think. Ah, I see. Yeah, I think the documentary is too stacked, but, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, just something to keep an eye just on. Keep an eye on, right. Yeah, I definitely had it out for a long time on my sword list. Um, moving on uh, to the international category. So as we mentioned, uh, zone of interest for the UK has already been selected for the for for international category. Pretty much almost certainly a lock at this point for that category. So those leaves four other films for international. Um, I'm only really confident in one film getting a nomination here, and that's Perfect Days from Japan, uh, distributed by Neon. I don't know if it's a little bit too early to call it. Um, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because I love all things Japanese. Um, but... I think uh, this is a this is a pretty decent one, um, pretty decent bet. It's been, it's been at a bunch of film festivals as well. Um, I believe the lead actor here won the best actor award at Cannes. Um, so and Wim, and 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 this was selected over Boy in the Heron for Japan's pick for international film. So they must be pretty confident in this one. Yeah, and uh, and some controversy there. You know, they thought uh, maybe. The Boy in the Heron should be the you know official submission. Uh, it's not, so you know to save face, maybe Perfect Days gets in. Um, in the same logic, uh, the Taste of Things, uh, the the French mm-hmm. submission, um, that's not Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, so I, I, yeah. I think that gets in. Um, but they, uh, there's there's a lot of here. I also think you know uh, there's more of a likelihood that a documentary gets into an international as we've seen in recent years. Uh, that points to uh, Twenty Days of Mirapol. Uh, or four daughters from Tunisia. Or four daughters. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe both get in. Um, but yeah, if 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 there's a slot for one documentary to get into the best international race, I think it's Ukraine's. Yeah, probably. I mean, for for obvious reasons. Um, back to Japan real quick. The other two films I just want to call out real quick. Uh, evil uh, evil does not exist, and Monster, um, which was a which are Ryusuke, uh, uh, one of them is Ryusuke Hamaguchi's new film, and the other is Hirokazu Koreeda. I think Koreeda's is Monster, and and Hamaguchi's is that Evil does not exist. Also got passed up for Perfect Days for Japan's entry as well. Yeah, so and I think, definitely uh, a strong competition. Yeah, even though Evil does not exist, uh, you know, debuted at the film festivals, I do think that Japan is going to push it next year. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I think the eligibility rules uh, say that Evil does not exist. Uh, uh, is eligible for next year and and we might as well just pencil it in to uh win the oscar next year for it fair enough fair enough well i'm gonna i'm gonna see that at the, at the new york film festival so you know good to get it a little bit early on um other films i'm just gonna name rattle these off real quick and the name of the film in the country um that seems to just looking online that seems to have the most buzz so this is a bit of a cop-out for the 40 films you should watch three of these films are like Eh, I don't know. Here are some things you might want to consider. Um, the Teacher's Lounge from Germany, About Dry Grasses from Turkey, distributed by Janus, The Promised Land by Denmark, uh, distributed by Magnolia, Fallen Leaves from Finland, distributed by Mubi, The Monk and the Gun from Bhutan, um, The Aforementioned Peasants from Poland, 
Um, Four Daughters, as we mentioned, is from Tunisia, from Kino Lorber, um, the Delinquents from Argentina, distributed by Mubi, Society of the Snow from Spain, distributed by Netflix, which I think helps its chances. Netflix is usually a good thing for international films. Yeah, um, it definitely Godland, is. Yeah. Godland from Iceland by Janice, The Settlers from Chile by Mubi, and then Totem by Mexico uh, from Janice. And of course, as we mentioned, The Taste of Things from France, which I believe won Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival. So um, yeah, that is the, uh, the very, very up in the air international race. So honestly, just wait until the short list in the December and then watch from there. Don't try to watch everything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, the shortlist coming out because uh, that usually, you know, uh, points to some uh, misdirection. Yeah. Um, and then we have the five documentary films. So, you know, we mentioned a couple already. 20 Days in Mariupol, the Ukrainian International Submission, Four Daughters from Tunisia. Uh, we mentioned they saw the piano player as an animated documentary as well. Um, again, I'm not going to have a clear idea of the five just some names i'm going to throw out there beyond utopia which is a, a documentary about south uh, north korean refugees um still a michael j fox movie the deepest breath the eternal memory orlando my political biography little richard i am everything uh, anselm which i believe is actually by the same director as perfect days if i'm not mistaken um That's going correct. to mars the Nikki Giovanni Project, Silver Dollar Road, The Pigeon Tunnel, uh, and then The Saint of Second Chance. These are just names of films I've seen showing up at multiple film festivals in the top of most lists of films to keep an eye out for. Yeah, and documentaries are impossible, impossible yeah, to predict. Anything you want to try to call out? I would say if I had to pick one, I think Beyond Utopia probably. Yeah, Beyond Utopia is, is definitely a front runner here. Uh, 20 Days of Maripol, uh, I think, gets in. Um, an another one... Um, that uh, from the director of Retrograde last year, that was a bit of a snub in documentary, is American Symphony. Uh, mm. Music, biopics. Oh, right. Yeah, I want um, to see that one. Yeah. Mu that one's also on Netflix, right? And it's it's by it's, right. it's about John Baptiste, I think. Right. It's about John Baptiste, uh, you know, recent Oscar winner for uh, Soul Score, uh, for co yeah. co you know, composing uh, Soul. Uh, I, you know, music biopics at the Oscars don't generally do very well, but this one, it, it just vibes a little bit different uh, so so I, I wouldn't discount that one um and going back to still a michael j fox movie that that might lean more into like emmy and and I, I'm, I'm not so sure that they're going to push it to uh you know go the uh the big screen route um so that that might be uh you know against it uh but you know there's 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 a few you know kind of on the outside looking in, Lakota Nation versus United States is the one that I'm keeping an eye on. Black Ice mm -hmm. is another one that I'm keeping an eye on. The Eternal Memory is one that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, and and uh, last one is Kokomo City. Uh, so that that's another one that um, might uh, spoil some parties. Yeah. Honestly, just wait until uh, they get nominated, and then you know right. if you watch if you watch everything else right before nomination day, you just have to watch the international and documentary films and the short films, and then exactly. you're caught up to the death race. Right? Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, the short list comes out I think on December twenty first, uh, so you'll get a little bit of a head start uh, there. But yeah, the documentaries uh, or you know the the Critics Choice documentary nominees aren't counted in red carpet rosters. Because it comes out too early, but mid December, uh, yeah, take a look at the Critics' Choice uh, Documentary Award nominees, and that that might give you a bit of a clue on uh, where the Academy might go. Right. All right. So we're up to number thirty-three. So I'm gonna seven more films. Right to round out our forty. All right, films we can do it. Watching. 
Um, so these are mostly just films that are technical categories, strictly below the line. Um, first up, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, came out May 5th. Um, one of my favorite Marvel films to date, frankly. I, I'm a big fan of the of the Guardians of the Galaxy film franchise in general. I collect the Groot Funko Pops, right? So I'm a bit biased here. But uh, it has a shot for interestingly makeup. I think they apparently they apparently did some really unique stuff with the makeup for the alien prosthetics. I um, mean, of course, visual effects as well as probably one of the better received uh, superhero films of this year, right? Yeah. So I think uh, those are the two categories for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah, if there's a visual effects... Uh nomination for a marvel movie this is probably the most likely to do it uh, you know, of course the marvels come out uh later this year but yeah it, it makeup and visual effects definitely in play here for guardians of the galaxy yeah. 3 yeah next up we have uh, asteroid city which is uh came out june 16th which is the new um wes anderson film um i lost the bet to dakota from convo zoom pod so i need to watch all of the wes anderson film this year so this will be part of that <laughs> watch um but yeah i mean you know he hasn't really gotten a lot of nominations since Grand Budapest Hotel, but you know, there's still always the thought that, you know, hey, cinematography, costume, most likely I think production design might be the most likely thought, but um it, it's not it's not impossible for us for T to get at least one nomination. Yeah, I, I think production design is the most likely here for I think Adam Stockhausen, a longtime collaborator with Wes Anderson, uh does the production design here. Uh you might want to fact check me on that. I'm going off of memory, but uh, I, I think Asteroid City does have a chance at original screenplay. Um, you know, that this is one of the more uh, meta uh, films that Wes Anderson has put out, uh, that there's there's a lot of layers to peel back. Um, and and I, I would not be surprised if uh, uh, Wes Anderson is a double nominee uh, for uh, uh, original screenplay and and the short film that he has on Netflix, uh, although we're oh, not, right. you know, the, uh, the 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 wonderful Henry Sugar or something like right, that, right, right, uh, with starring Benedict Cumberbatch. So, uh, I I would not discount this for original screenplay, although it is a long shot. Yeah, and uh, and for Red Carpet Wasserpuppies, apparently he has a song as well. So who knows? Yes, yeah, he co-wrote a song uh, for Asteroid City. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, know, who, who knows? Yeah, I mean the other the, another fun stat which I didn't mention yet is that apparently the highest per theater average film in of limited release each year gets at least one nomination. Right, last year that was uh, the whale actually ended up having that, and of course it oh, that's won its category. Um, as of right now, as of recording, it is uh, Asteroid City has the highest per theater average right now. No um, kidding. That being said. Uh, of course, it's all of the other films that will be coming out in limited release. I wouldn't be surprised if Poor Things ends up blowing out, blowing up the record out. Oh, that's a good point. Year. Yeah, yeah, we're only so, in late September, so or early yeah. October, so yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, then okay, this one is not a super serious recommendation, but I mostly put it in because I have a bet right now that this will get at least some nominations. I'm not so sure, honestly, at this point. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Came uh, out I think you're going to lose that bet. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, it looked really good from the trailers, and then it didn't do so well. But, I mean, realistically, I think its best thought is, again, John Williams' score or maybe a production design, right? Potentially. We'll see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, John Williams, yeah, it, it, it's unwise to doubt him, so may, maybe it, it is a good bet, but I nah. I have doubts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, 37, we have The Creator, which is actually coming out the weekend we record this. It'll have just come out when, you, when you're listening to this, if you listen to it as it comes out. It's a vis- it's, um, it's from Gareth Edwards, the, the director of, uh, of Rogue One, uh, starring John David Washington and Gamma Chan. Um, 
honestly, it's it's most notable, I think, for VFX. Some people are saying maybe sound, but definitely, I think, visual effects. Um, it's about AI war against the humans and so on. Very relevant to today's society with ChatGPT and all that, um, and the and the and the writer strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike. But uh, yeah, no visual effects. I think is this is probably probably like a lone visual effects nomination. And I think the front runner for a win, a visual effects win, uh, for for the creator. I, I don't think there's yeah. a lot of competition here. Yeah, fair enough. Um, now number thirty eight, we have the Killer, which is another Netflix film. Uh, twenty October twenty seventh limited release, November tenth wide release. Uh, this is David Fincher's newest film. Um, doesn't seem like it's going to be a best picture, like you know, Social Network or whatnot. But um, still, right? Uh, he's very good at uh, at at, at the technical elements of his most of his films, right? We mentioned before Eric Messerschmitt, um, I believe, is the cinematographer for this. Um, he's working with Reznor and Ross again uh, for score, who you know is pretty good. And you know, it's a it's an assassin. There might be bang bang guns, so you know, it might get the sound nomination as well. Um, who knows? I think the the killer is is a is a bit of a should I think maybe pull away maybe with one nomination somewhere. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Michael Fassbender sneaks in, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. Don't discount David Fincher and especially with the below the, you know, below uh, the line below categories the nominations. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, the two stacked. This year is two stacked. Yeah. Um, 39, I have Wonka, um, the Timothy Salome prequel uh, starring, uh, uh, you know, of, of the famous chocolate maker starring Hugh Grant as a as a Oompa Loompa, um, of all things, coming out December 15th, right before Christmas. Um, you know, I think obviously with Barbie and then the color purple, I don't think Warner Bros. is going to push this too much. But hey, you know, it's a period piece is right. So I think at the very least costume, I think is in play potentially. Um, so we'll see. I think I think that's the safest bet there. What do you think? Yeah. And I if I remember right, I think there's an original song floating around in there. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So th- this might this might uh, get in, in for song, but uh, I you know, we, we only have known the trailers. Uh, we only have seen things. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's also the director. It's also the director of the Paddington movies. So, like, can you really be that bad? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. amazing. So I, I, I do have high hopes uh, for, for Wonka. Uh, and at least know, in a nomination wise. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and rounding out our top 40. Uh, is of course you couldn't not leave her on this list. Now it's a bit of a cheating, three films in one, uh, but it's the obligatory Diane Warren film for original <laughs> song. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, there is a Diane Warren documentary floating around. I don't know if it's going to be released this year. If I were the distributors uh, of this movie, I would wait until next year because song is loaded this year, especially with the Barbie songs. Um, but Diane Warren has written some songs and for not terrible movies. I mean, she, she's been able to get in for some, eh, some, uh, questionable, uh, uh, of in quality years, movies. Yes. Uh, yeah. me. Right. Um, uh, but no, this year she has, she has 80 for Brady, right? Yeah. Which, which is a cute, it's, it's a cute movie. It's not bad. Yeah, and then she has also Flame and Hot, which is a supposedly a somewhat more inspirational movie. Right, so. and 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 uh, a rare co-writing uh, with Rita Wilson uh, uh, for Flame and Hot, uh, so that might you know eventually help her. And and then another song for uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding Three, 
and oh, another song. Yep. And another song for the magician's elephant, uh, which is probably the least likely, but yeah, th- there, there's definitely knowing, a, knowing our luck, it's going to be the magician's elephant and we're all going to have to try to find. <laughs> right. Right. I, I'm going to campaign for her for something else. <laughs> All right. Well, those are the forty films. Um, uh, now I, there are a couple of other technical films that didn't I didn't make the list, but I do want to shout out as you know maybe making them. These are mostly bigger blockbusters, so you shouldn't have any trouble finding them. Uh, Mission Impossible Seven, you know, for maybe sound, visual effects potentially. Uh, John Wick Four, I think, for cinematography or sound. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, which we mentioned earlier, didn't do well at the box office, but I loved it so much, and I would love if it got it, 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 most of its stuff, most of its visual effects were actually practical effects, not a lot of CG, which is kind of what killed the film. It, it killed the, it made the budget balloon too much, so it couldn't be profitable. But um, it so it looked really good on camera, you know, all the, the all the physical props. So you know, maybe production, maybe makeup and hair, maybe visual effects, who knows? Um, and then The Little Mermaid, right? You have uh, the, the Lin-Manuel Miranda song uh, for, for Little Mermaid. Um, I don't think visual effects, I think the water scenes were a little bit too murky. Um, but I think definitely song is is not out of the question for Little Mermaid. No, no, it's not. And, uh, and EGOT potential um, for The Little Mermaid uh, there too. Awesome. Well, you know that is the list. Um, so just to recap, uh, our uh, the uh, the the forty films that that we mentioned. Um, you know, we have uh, not counting the documentary films, not counting the inter- international films, and not counting the extra films. Um, so we have uh, already out. We have Oppenheimer, Barbie, Past Lives, Across the Spider Verse, Elemental, Guardians of the Galaxy Three, um, Asteroid City, Indiana Jones, Dollar Destiny, and as of recording, The Creator plus the indetermined Diane Warren movie. Um, October thirteenth, we'll have the limited release of Anatomy of a Fall. October twentieth, we'll have the wide release of Kills of the Flower Moon. November third, the wide release of Priscilla and the and the Netflix release of Nyad. November 10th, Holdovers is Ghostwide and The Killer goes on to Netflix. November 17th, we have Rustin on Netflix. November 22nd, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, Wiss, Napoleon, and Saltburn all go wide. May, December 1st, May-December goes on uh, Netflix. December 8th, big day. We have limited releases of Poor Things and Zone of Interest and then the wide release of Boy and the Heron. December 15th, we have Wonka going wide and Chicken Run 2 uh, going on Netflix. Uh, Christmas weekend, December 22nd, All of Us Strangers is Limited, American Fiction goes wide, and Maestro goes to Netflix. And then December 25th, Gold, The Color Purple and Ferrari. So there is something every week for you to watch um, for uh, Oscars this coming for the wait. rest of the year. Cannot wait, indeed. Um, for me, you know, I actually have the benefit. I'm going to go to the New York Film Festival uh, in early 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 uh, October. Um, so if you're going to be there, anyone, you know, I'll be at the October seventh, two thirty p.m. screening of Evil Does Not Exist, the October 9th, eleven forty five a.m. screening of Zone of Interest, the one one thirty p.m. screening on October eleventh for The Taste of Things, and then my most anticipated for the festival, Boy in the Heron, on October twelfth for eleven forty five p.m. John, are there any films in particular from these that you are looking forward to? Yeah, I, I am uh, mostly intrigued by the zone of interest. Um, I, I, you know, I, I do want to see the boy and the heron, and I definitely it's going to get a nomination. I'm excited about that, but the zone of interest uh, piques my interest the most here. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, in any case, where can people find you if they want to, you know, get involved in red carpet process or ask your opinion on uh, movie rankings? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the website is redcarpetrosters.com. Uh, you can sign up uh, directly on the site and you can join a public league or if you want to set up a private league, just let me know in the comment when you uh, sign up and I can uh, set you up. I'm also on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter at uh, red carpet rosters right (laughs) um it's uh, at red carpet rosters uh but no vowels and rosters so red carpet r-s-t-r-s um and you could or you can just search for red carpet rosters and i'm on twitter i also have a discord server so if you sign up uh, i'll send you an email that will get you to the uh small server that we have to you know get updates and uh i also have the blog uh that uh you're going to uh, supplement as well um, and also i have a a, a small podcast uh, so it's the red carpet rosters podcast uh, available on anywhere you listen to podcasts and i hope to uh kick off the season uh, in, in a couple weeks uh with uh you know some draft advice and maybe some betting picks um but uh if you're not familiar with the podcast it's uh you know it's a film awards fantasy podcast but it also has some history uh, talks about some recaps of the awards and also some betting picks uh, so if you're into uh sports betting um, you can take advantage of uh, some of the lines that uh, the Oscars put out, and uh, and I deliver picks for that. And uh, if you follow me, if you followed me doing that last year, you did very well. Um, I you know picked up Jamie Lee Curtis when it was paying fourteen to one. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, follow me for any uh, betting picks uh, advice for there. Um, but that's where you can find me. Awesome. And once again, right, I will be hosting uh, two leagues if there is enough demand for them. The Parasite League mostly will be people who were playing with me last year. So if you haven't played with me last year, um, you can join the Everything Everywhere All at Once League as well. Again, just let John know in the Discord or let me know. I'm in the Discord as well. Uh, sign up uh, by October 14th, which uh, is when we're going to have the private my private leagues uh, start drafting uh, asynchronously. Uh, in the meantime, you know, good luck with all your movie watching, everyone. We'll be back in December. Uh, currently planning for December 13th, about one week before those short lists come out. Um, so, you know, between now and then, you have a lot of movie watching homework uh, based on this episode. So best of luck to everyone. But that was, wraps up this episode of the Oscars Death Race podcast. John, thank you so much for joining me once again. Thank you for having me on. All right, let us know how your death race prep is going or whether or not you've joined the red carpet rosters. You can get me at Twitter, uh, not X, uh, at Oscars D Racecast or via email at Oscars Death Race Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your podcast service of choice, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a review or even just say we're the friend who loves movies, any of that's helpful. Uh, those will be linked in the show notes alongside my own Letterboxd account under the username Ninzaboy, Boy with an I. Also, be sure to check out the Oscar Race subreddit and the Academy of Death Racers Discord. Uh, Music for the episode is provided by Kevin MacLeod, incompetent.musa.io. Um, editing and production produced, uh, provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this week. This has been the Oscars Death Race Podcast. And until next time, I'll be here trying to watch all the Oscar nominees or die trying. Thanks a lot, y'all.